0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness. A lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial thinkers want to start a business, but they, they just don't know what to do. What's that new idea? What's that new thing? And it's interesting because sometimes it's right in front of you. There are needs that people have. There are needs that communities have that all you have to do is raise your hand and say, I'm willing to do it. We're going to talk about that part of entrepreneurship. How do you find an opportunity that can be easier than you think, that's faster than you think, and can make you money and have your own business? This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I appreciate you listening today. I also want to thank C-Suite Radio for hosting the podcast and distributing it for us worldwide. Today's guest is an author and the creator of Clean Lots, America's simplest business. He's been involved in all aspects of the parking lot litter removal business since 1981 and can show you how to start and operate a green-based business from home and make money from a simple service that's almost as easy as going for a walk, right? Like I said, there is business everywhere, and it's just finding the opportunities. Brian Winch, thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here.
0: Definitely. And I look forward to, to understanding how you got to where you are, because not a lot of people think about the litter removal business since 1981, but what was your journey there? Were you always doing different businesses that, that led you to where
1: you are today? Well, I was always um, an entrepreneurial sort. Um, I remember as a kid i think i was about five or six years old and uh you know what an allowance wasn't good enough for me i I wanted more money than that so um i was always kind of thinking different ways you know besides the lemonade stand if you will so i remember one time i vividly remember uh, i gathered up some of my brother's toys that i thought they wouldn't miss i cleaned them up and i uh, put a stand out in the front street and i i sold them to the neighborhood kids and, and uh, you, you can imagine my brothers weren't too happy with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What'd your parents think about that?
1: Oh, well, they, they, I mean, they didn't scold me or anything. I think they, they uh, told me, well, you know, next time ask your brothers, but they kind of encouraged me, you know, they, they were pleased uh, that I was showing, you know, some uh, initiative, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Were, were they entrepreneurial themselves? Well, you know what, that's a good question. Uh, both my parents didn't graduate high school. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm i 60 years old, so they got married in 1959. And my father was, uh, he fled Poland uh, during the Second World War. And he eventually found his way uh, to Canada and as a refugee. And so he had to take on a number of different jobs. He had to learn how to uh, communicate in English. So uh, and my mom, uh, I think, got as far as grade ten, and she took a nursing aid co- uh, course and was um, uh, a nursing assistant. But when they uh, married and um, uh, started a family, uh, my wife, uh, my wife, my mother stayed at home, took care of us, but she always babysat, or we we always had a boarder, uh, you know, living with us to to help supplement the mortgage payments. My dad was a caretaker uh, or a janitor. And he always uh, moonlighted, if you will, before the term side gig or side hustle took off, but he would cut grass in the summertime, shovel snow in the winter. But there was one um, side gig in particular that caught my attention, and that was uh, him cleaning up litter outside a nearby shopping center. Uh, uh, before he would go to work in the morning, he would get up extra early and, and go uh, clean the property and and a couple of times he took me along with him and I remember how easy it was it, you know like I said it' was almost as easy as going for, for a walk and getting paid for it and uh, that that kind of stuck in my mind for a, for a few years and um, you know unfortunately, he passed away when I was uh, just uh, two months before I started my the business that I operate today, and I, I didn't have his experience to call upon, but I had that memory of, uh, and both my parents were, were really good role models for me.
0: No, it sounds like it. And I mean, you've been in the same business for, if my math is correct, about 40 years, and in the litter space, it's, uh, forgive me for saying this, but an odd <laughs> space to be in, and you know, it sounds like something that just started to, to make a few bucks. How did you, t- how did you begin to turn it into a business? We'll talk about sort of the longer plan, but, but how did you begin to turn that into a business in the beginning?
1: Okay. Well, I in, in 1981, so I was 21 uh, years of age at the time and I was working a full-time job and I decided, you know, I, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life working for somebody else. So, um. I I remembered uh, that he did that uh, when I was a kid. And like I said, he just passed away a a couple of months before uh, that I I started uh, uh, doing some um, um, market research or testing the market for for this type of service. And um, so I just started uh, going through the the old yellow pages, telephone directory, that that was the internet way back in 1981. And uh, asking uh, management companies, if they'd be interested in, in a service such as that.
0: So it's interesting you said that you did some market research on the subject. It sounds like a very businessy way, if that's a word, to start doing this. So you didn't just knock on a door and start picking up trash. You actually called some people and said, hey, is this something you might want?
1: Yeah. Well, I recognized um, that. Um my clients would be property management companies. I wouldn't in fact be doing the work for the individual businesses. And you know, that's one memory I had, uh, of, from my father. I remember him talking to his client, um, a few times on the phone. They, uh, his client would phone him at the the house and, and, uh, you know, he he would communicate some issues and I asked him, well, you know, who who are you talking to? And he told me, oh, it's the property manager. So I, you know, I, I had that memory. So, um, so yeah, I just started contacting property management companies. And I, first of all, I said, I asked them, do you manage commercial properties or, you know, the residential properties? And so I needed to speak with the commercial property management companies uh, that manage the, you know, retail or office and industrial properties. And, um, you know, I didn't have a a really well uh, um, written out elevator pitch or anything like that. I just was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and and uh, I learned quickly that I had to develop a, a good one, I, so I didn't waste people's time. But I basically uh, asked them if um, if they'd be interested in, you know, somebody that would be reliable that would show up on their property and and keep their property uh, uh, free from litter, and I could give them a good price. And would they be interested in getting more information? And um, so, you know, I made about five or six calls, and um, it seems about the sixth or seventh. Uh, was very interested in getting more information and, and prices for three properties. And um, so I, I went out, took a look at them. I came up with prices that I thought were fair at the time and uh, uh, submitted them to him. And he said, we're good to go. When can you start? That's amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about the pricing. So how
0: did you like, how do you price something like that? Were, were there other companies doing this or were, were you the guy and you kind of just, you know, made
1: it up (laughs) um well you know most people don't see the service being done because uh, in most cases it's performed after hours or early morning before the business is open so you know that way you can clearly see and clean up all the material as opposed to being done during the day when there's businesses are open and and uh, the parking lots are full of cars so there could be various uh, contractors that uh, are doing it or have been doing it, such as uh, large, you know, cleaning companies. Uh, sometimes they provide uh, a day porter service. Um, it could be a landscape contractor, again, maybe the larger ones, and um, or it could be maybe even a sweeping company or a power sweeping uh, company that. Um, you know, offers this um, in addition to their, their sweeping service. But what has made our business model so successful over the years is we specialize in that. We, we, you know, we don't try to be a a jack of all trades and wind up being a master of none. We focus on the litter pickup and that's it. And we, we, you know, we do the work with simple hand tools, you know, very low overhead. And we know we can provide our customers with great service at a very affordable price, and you know, and, and you know, the marketing I I believe begins after you've uh, got the contract because if you want to keep those customers, you better keep them happy, and that means communicating uh, with them and, and providing uh, extra value. And um, you know, and it, for example, of the extra value, if you know, when we're cleaning up, I mean, anybody can clean, but if you're uh, they're cleaning. Uh, you have to show some ownership. uh, And so that if, if we see some graffiti, fresh graffiti on the wall, or somebody stumped off a sofa in the back of the building or, or a stop sign has been run over, we communicate those issues uh, to our, to our clients as soon as possible. You know, the, the very first thing, the the following day, and it helps cement the business relationship we have. And they're more than likely to want to send more business our way than, than uh, to, you know, put, you know, Uh, look for somebody else or, you know, put the the whole contract out to tender every year. No, that makes sense. And so it's the communication side
0: is, is it really about what you're doing? Or is it a reminder that the reason it's pristine when they come into work in the morning is because of you? How How does that communication work? Like, how do you let the client know what you're doing? It's one of the hardest things for a lot of businesses is to remind the client that you're actually doing work because sometimes they might not see the work.
1: Well, you know, and that's, that's a great point because, and that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I never understand uh, some of these other, I mean, you know, even some of our competitors, they, you know, they get a, a cleaning contract and then they go out and just clean and, and that's it. And they don't communicate. So oftentimes their clients don't know what they're doing or or if there's any issues or any problems. So, you know, uh, number one, when we do our work, um, typically it is inspected uh, by either the building operator uh, the following day because a building operator, if he doesn't have time to do litter cleaning himself, you know, these management companies, they're always uh, putting out fires and dealing with other maintenance issues. So their building operators tend to float around the various properties and meet various contractors to, to sort those problems out. So if they're there, uh, they'll recognize, um, you know, if the property's clean or not. Um, and if they feel it isn't, they'll contact you. But, you know, I that's why it's important to stay in touch with your customers because it's better that you, you know, talk to them before they phone you and say, you know, Brian, I don't know if you were here today or, or whatever the case is. But like I said, the extra value, we're an extra set of eyes for them. So, you know, although notifying them of um, um, of maintenance issues doesn't sc- fall under the scope of litter cleaning, um, it, they appreciate the the extra set of eyes that we provide for them. And, it, you know, it doesn't... it you know, hey, it's no skin off our back, uh, just making a quick phone call or sending a text or an email.
0: And I, and I bet there's a fair amount of safety, safety advantage to it too, because if you're seeing things that they're not seeing, especially overnight, uh, it makes their property safer. So when did this, it sounds like when you started, I mean, this was you and you were going out and, and, and cleaning up litter and making properties look great. When did it really turn into, from a sole proprietorship or a job, into a business, because you, you can't do that many properties yourself, when did you start to bring on enough properties that you could bring on other people to be employees?
1: Uh, well, you know, uh, first of all, I, I, I did this um, on the side for probably three or, three or four months until such time as I was making more money cleaning parking lots than I was in my full-time job. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not the brightest guy, but I, I could realize that, that, hey, you know, why not spend more time marketing my business to expand that and, and leave my, uh, my full-time employment, which I did. And so I, I quickly build up enough business. Oh, you know, there, there was such a long time ago, I think within about a year or two, that um, uh, I was busy uh, full-time. I, and the intent uh, when I started my business was was just to do something on my own, work for myself, put money in my own pocket. As opposed to somebody else's, and I just wanted a simple one-man operation. But you know, once I got to that level, um, you know, I learned that my customers, they, you know, they're so happy with my service, they they wanted me to do more for them. So, you know, what am I going to do there? So, um, at some point, I decided to bring my brothers into the business, and uh, they all got properties that they started to service, and again, we the business continued to grow and we decided, well, what are we gonna do now? Um, for example, we started getting requests, well, we, need, we want work, we can service now, Brian, can you uh, provide that service for us? So we certainly weren't going to do that, uh, especially raising young families at the time. So uh, we basically recruited a whole bunch of people that shared a similar interest, uh, uh, you know, that we had, and that was working outdoors and doing the work, getting paid and going home. And so we had uh, people working for us on weekends, and then we expanded that uh, throughout the week. And we scaled the business up to the point now uh, where we, we typically do 130, 140 properties um, um, you know, under our belt um, and bill out roughly 600, $650,000 a year. And that's only litter cleaning. Uh, we don't get into landscaping or any other services.
0: And, and were these people, so you, I mean, you're not kidding the original side hustle. So were most of your original employees, people who were doing this on the side for extra
1: cash? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're basically people uh, that, you know, had shared the same interest, but you know, they're, they're working for us. So they don't have to go out and get the accounts. I mean, we do that for them. And, and uh, um, we've had people that work, have been working for us, the same people for, you know, for, for 20 years, 15, 20 years. Um, I've had some properties and some um, clients that I've been dealing with for, for over 30 years.
0: Wow. So, I mean, I, obviously a recurring revenue stream is, is the dream of any business owner, uh, even if there's a lot of hard work behind it, because they just pay it month after month, like we do for our regular trash bill as, as homeowners. As you continue to expand, how did you, as a business owner, right? So you transitioned from, from doing the work to owning a business. How did you transition to the business owner side of it, where you were able to really think bigger, think differently, to expand the growth versus just doing the work?
1: Uh, Well, eventually I scaled back the number of hours that uh, actually uh, did the, or do the cleaning work. I I still actually clean parking lots to this day because I enjoy it. I find it very uh, therapeutic. I mean, I'm going for a walk and I, I do my best thinking when I'm walking, but uh, you know, when I started this business in 1981, like you say, there wasn't the internet. And so there's been a huge change in in technology and and how businesses communicate with their clients and how they're found. So I had to learn pretty quick from, you know, or from the school of hard knocks because I I barely graduated high school. I didn't go to college, so I didn't have any formal business training. Uh, so, you know, I learned what worked and what didn't work uh, based on trial and error and uh, uh, and was able to continue to build the business that way.
0: We're talking with Brian Winch on the Entrepreneurs MBA podcast. He started Clean Lots, America's simplest business. And we're talking about how do you scale a business, but also how can you start your own, right? So, this is something anybody can do, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, if you. If you enjoy working outdoors and you wanna make a few extra bucks, um, uh, you know, you should by all means uh, check out the opportunity.
0: And and an, another pivot for the business was having employees and then a, a, an additional pivot was, all right, how can you help other people rather than you hiring them, you show them your model and their path and then they can go out and get their own clients, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, so basically we, we scaled the business like, as you said, you know from a simple one-man operation to uh, to several people working within the business. And then, you know, I thought this is such a great opportunity. Um, I'm sure people from across the country would love to learn about this. And so I, I wrote a operations manual or a book, which I titled Clean Lots, um, America's Simplest Business. And I make that available to, to, uh, to people that are interested in a business uh, such as this, but I, I also provide free and I emphasize free support, but you have to buy the book. But I can, I can, <laughs> I can do that. I can provide the mentoring because it works. The business model works, and it is a simple business. And it, you know, I have a saying: if you work the business, the business will work for you. And I really enjoy sharing my success with others, and get a kick out of hearing, um, you know, testimonials or or people that uh, eventually forward testimonials to me, but they, they'll phone me up or they'll send me an email, Brian, you know, I bought your book, um, you know, whatever a couple of years ago, and this is what I'm doing now, or put my kids through college or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, hearing those stories. And, uh, you know, like I say, it's a simple business. I, they can't compete with me. I can't compete with them. So why not share my knowledge?
0: No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that way of thinking. And're you're, you're up in Calgary, Canada. Now, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of uh, you know the, the COVID-19 pandemic. and uh, so the the entire world, but, but more specifically, the United States and Canada, both are, there's people out of work who, who who need cash and need cash fast. but there are businesses that are that are still ongoing, and a lot of these management contracts are still in place. So I would imagine this is a a tremendous opportunity for people who may have been laid off or who lost their jobs in Calgary, where you are in the oil business, that they can get to work tomorrow and start making money.
1: Well, you know, I wouldn't really say it happens overnight um, because, (laughs) like, you know, as you are well aware, any legitimate business, it takes a little time to... To go through the regulatory pro, uh, process you know get your necessary licensing insurance etc yeah, apply for a business name uh you set up a legal structure all of this by the way is covered in the book but um but yeah i mean hopefully this this pandemic uh is going to last several weeks or a couple of months and and, and won't go into several months but but basically a, a person could uh, you know, do the legwork or groundwork to to get this uh, operational, and and hopefully, and you know that this will all be over, and uh, and then uh, be ready to get going on it. But one thing uh, that has come as a result uh, of uh, this pandemic, um, um, actually, I did a TV interview this morning with my local uh, news station uh, about how you know businesses are are suffering the effects and. Um, you know, I, I've weathered several recessions, no problems. Um, and one thing that w- we have found out about this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the way uh, governments are are uh, um, uh, communicating with businesses, um, you know, they're shutting a lot, a lot down obviously, but they've determined that a cleaning business is an essential service. So we're allowed to continue operating. We're still cleaning our clients' properties. Uh, Knock on wood, we haven't lost any uh, clients yet. Uh, But, you know, I I have to admit, I'm a bit scared. I'm a bit concerned like any other business person is uh, in the world these days, because if you don't have clients that are making money, uh, they're not going to be able to pay bills. And uh, so, you know, I guess that's why the governments are coming out with all sorts of financial aid packages.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And it's a great thing. I was just watching on TV some of the things they're doing for small businesses here in the States to keep them open so as a business owner, you can't plan for what we just went through. I mean, the the, the market turned in about a, a 10 or 15 day period here in the States. So you can't plan for those things, but how do you react to them? As a business owner, how did you react when this started to, to show itself? And, and you haven't lost any clients, but you got to be prepared in case you do. What, what, what has gone into your thinking from, from that standpoint?
1: Okay, well, again, it's all about, Communication. So one of the things we found out, and the information is changing so fast these days, I mean, it it changes by the hour, it seems, Uh, never mind week to week. But we we quickly developed uh, our COVID-19 response plan, uh, where um, we communicated that to all of our customers, uh, where we pointed out that we have been deemed an essential service. And we are practicing all of the measures that have been put forward by, you know, the World Health Organization, et cetera, in terms of social distancing. And, you know, the great thing about our services is it's, done, it's not done in a crew. It's done one person can go out and clean the properties and it's done after hours. So, you know, you're uh, not very likely to, to come in contact with people when you're performing your service at that time of day. And, and just, um, you know, common sense measures, um, you know, you, you uh, Uh, You're always washing your hands, etc. So we we communicate that, um, you know, our policies in in that, uh, in that uh, um, response plan, and, um, and just let them know that we are there for them, and we will continue to service their properties for as long as we're able to. Um, And, you know, Um, hope to see you on the other side (laughs) and so so we we uh, we got a lot of um, replies back from our customers that they really appreciated that and oh but you know by the way they were about to reach out to us because you know they they were curious about what measures we had implemented uh, um, uh, ourselves and you know our customers are um, small investors and right up to the big real estate investment trusts or, or the institutional investors where they have all sorts of regulatory paperwork and policies that they have to follow etc so you know so they obviously want to know from all of their vendors well you know what are you guys doing this is what we're doing but we want to make sure our policies kind of are, you know mesh together and so um, you know you, you always have to be thinking about your clients and not, not just the way uh, you you know service their properties but you know how you communicate with them and stay in touch with them and let them know what's going on there and and what you're doing to make sure that you provide them the very best service.
0: And obviously communication is is a big key for you. It's where you started the business and it's still serving you well today. That's right. That's amazing. So, one a uh, couple final questions as we wrap up, but as you um, as you look at the landscape today, a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in in the shiny penny syndrome. They they have a new idea and they add some and they add additional services. And it's important to do that. But if you take the your eye off the the ball of what is your bread and butter, you can get yourselves in trouble. How have you How have you managed that? Because people will probably come to you and said, "Oh, Brian, can you do this? Brian, can you do this as well?" How have you managed taking on additional services and saying no to additional services while still keeping your client?
1: Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because. Early on, um, you know, once we had a, a good stable of clients, um, a couple of us, a couple of them did come to us and say, "Brian, we really love what you're doing for us. Uh, you know, keeping uh, um, our properties free from litter. But you know, yeah, we we have just a little piece of grass on the side of the building. Can you cut that for us? Uh, oh, and in the winter time, we 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 don't have much for sidewalks, but you know, can you clear the snow for us? And you know, we did, we at the time. Uh, didn't want to lose them as a client. And we, so we didn't know how to say no at the time, you know, where everything was, yes, you know, I mean, we want to keep our you know, clients happy. Yes, yes, yes. We'll do that. Yes. So we did that for a time and we found out that the services really didn't mesh I mean, they're, they're done typically at different times of the day and week. And, uh, you know, so we sat down and had a discussion, you know, uh, you know, are we going to lose some clients because of this, you know, should we do this? And, and so we did, we decided you know what that's not our bread and butter um it's not fun, you know, cutting the grass and clearing the snow we We enjoy doing the litter cleaning and uh so we communicated that to uh the few clients that we uh, got roped into doing the other services for and actually they were they were okay with it. They said, you know what Brian, did, not a problem. we'll get somebody else to do it. we We did lose one client who wanted to go with one of these big companies that, you know, you know claim to do it all and it could do everything for them. And, you know, I mean that, you know, that that's that's their decision or whatever. But but you know what, we've never looked back from that. Uh, we've been able to continue to grow the business, but that, you know, uh, our message is to to clients, hey, this is what we do. We don't try to do everything else. We do this service better than anybody else. And we've got the track record to prove it.
0: That's fantastic. And, and I'm glad you're able to, to continue to grow the business without going in a ton of different directions, which, which probably would have, would have ha- hampered your growth. So speaking about growth, last question for me, and this is on, on the, the client attraction side, right? Every business needs more clients. You started out cold calling. That's a tough way to make a living. How have you transformed your own marketing for your own business to continue to scale up and get more clients?
1: Well, I'll give you a couple tips here that anybody can use for their business, whatever it is. It's amazing to me how many people will will um, come up with a fancy, expensive website, uh, but what they've neglected uh, is the, the low-lying or low-hanging fruit, uh, which is claiming your free search engine listings, like the Google My Business listing, and all the search engines have something like that, but it doesn't cost anything. You can set up a profile, uh, add images, add posts to it, all of your information is on there. And then th- that allows you or allows your clients, if they're doing a, a search for, for your service, to, to find you. Um, so, you know, do something like that. Uh, another great method is uh, is, is getting a, a basic LinkedIn uh, profile, uh, an account. And you, you don't need the, the paid one. You can just get a a, a basic one and uh, then basically you know, what you do is uh, just go to the search bar and just type in whatever your industry is, uh, You know, property management companies or, or whatever it is, and you'll get pe- people will, uh, will show up as suggested uh, candidates. Uh, you can reach out to them, and if they uh, accept your invitation, you just send them a brief elevator pitch again. Hey, I'm glad we were able to hook up on LinkedIn. This is what I can do. This is how I can save you money. Are you interested in getting some more information? And it's amazing how um, that, it doesn't cost you anything except your time, but it can pay off in clients.
0: I love it. Just like your business, super simple, super clean. Brian, I appreciate you, you sharing your story. It's always fantastic to hear different different businesses, different things people come up with that are necessary, but you don't always think of. I appreciate you, uh, you sharing with us today.
1: Thanks, Adam. It was great.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com.